So when Isaac Watts wrote the words to joy to the world, you know that familiar Christmas carol, his intent wasn't that it be sung as a Christmas carol. In fact, he didn't even intend it to be a song. The words he wrote in 1719 were to be a poem based on Psalm 98. And in 1836, the words set to music by Lowell Mason were published during the Christmas season. And so it became known as a song of the holidays celebrating the birth of Jesus. The problem was, the poem was not intended to celebrate the first coming. Instead, it was meant to look forward to the second coming of Jesus and his rule of justice, power, and mercy. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. That's the title of our series this Advent season. And despite its original intent as a poem about the second Advent, what we have witnessed throughout these past couple of weeks as we go back to these early announcements to Mary and to Zachariah is that even in the first Advent, nature did sing. Their response to these announcements were captured in song, and they announced joy to a broken world. And today, we'll see that heaven joins the chorus, too. We're reading from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. This isn't the first time we hear this. Every time the angel approached, he first calms their fears. I don't know about you. But this is a beautiful picture to me. The first words that broke the silence are, don't be afraid. What quiet assurance God offers to us. The fact that there is an acknowledgement of the potential for fear. But of course, there would need to be. You know, we have read this story dozens of times, many of us, so, so we know what happens. But when you pause for a moment to go back to this original point in history where an angel came from nowhere breaking the silence, wouldn't you be afraid? Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Zachariah, don't be afraid, random shepherds in a field. I bring you good news. 
that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The angels preach the gospel for the first time that night to a group of shepherds who would become the first to hear good news of great joy. And it shall come through the one who is a savior, the Messiah, the Lord. This is the only time in the Gospels that all the titles of Jesus are brought together like this. As Savior, he will save his people from their sins. As the promised Messiah, he is Jesus the Christ. And as Lord, he is God. He is maker and ruler of all. The good news is this. Jesus is all these things. This is who he is. And here's how you'll recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger? The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, in a feeding trough? It's great for us to drill down on one account in Scripture, but if we just pull back for a moment, and if we look at the big picture, what we'll see is what we've been saying over and over this year. The kingdom of God is an upside-down, countercultural kingdom. It is one whose king isn't born in the finest hospital with the smartest doctors money can buy whose bed isn't in a stately room in a grand castle. It's an announcement made first, not to royals. Instead, it is a kingdom whose king is born in an unlikely place, whose head lays in a bed intended for the mouths of animals. And it is announced to the lowly of class. When heaven splits open and the glory of God spills onto earth in typical kingdom fashion, the gospel is preached first to everyday ordinary people. I'm so glad that's the case. Because I am an everyday ordinary person. And what this moment in time tells me is that I don't have to be anything more than that to qualify for the good news. And the reality of the good news is this, that God delights in showing up in everyday moments to everyday ordinary people. Amen? And so the angels preached the gospel that night. And to generations longing for a savior, there's nothing else that would have brought any greater joy than this good news, whether they realized it or not. And it was all the reason they needed to sing. Glory to God 
in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Their chorus can be boiled down to two things. Glory to God and peace for us. Glory to God and peace for us. Let's look at the first one. Glory to God. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven. When the angels arrive on the scene, their purpose most certainly was an announcement, but in that announcement, the emphasis was to bring glory to God. And there was no mistaking the glory of God. Juxtaposed against the backdrop of a broken and despairing humanity, the glory of God shone in sharp contrast. A reminder to us that the announcement of God made flesh, the one who would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the one whose government and peace will never end, the one who will rule with fairness and justice for all eternity, he would indeed be the greatest provision of all time for a lost and broken world. If there would be any reason to give glory to God, it would be this. God bursting out of heaven and onto earth with a plan so grand, so exciting, that it would naturally incite all glory and honor to be given to him who came to save. When the angels assembled over those shepherds, they sang, not a song rehearsed for the pleasure of the listeners. They sang a song that had been influenced by the culture of heaven. Consider this. These were angels. For eternity, they had been praising God. Now their song spills out of heaven onto earth with the most majestic offering of praise to God, their, created, their creator. This was unadulterated worship, influenced only by God's glory. It wasn't shaped by trouble or pain or problems or worry or anxiety or fear or you fill in the blank. It wasn't to entertain or to put on the best show earth has ever seen. It wasn't the first Christmas concert in that regard. It was the only response they have ever known, pure worship to the all-deserving one. What they knew, we have yet to know. What they see fully, we see in part. But we can say, what we can say for sure is this. To God alone be all glory, all honor, and all praise. As we linger between two advents, between the first coming of Jesus 
And when he returns a second time, may we take our lead from the angels, the angels of heaven, and may we pause to marvel at the wonder of the one who would move heaven and earth just to say, I love you, and I will do anything to be with you. Glory to God and peace for us. You know, even if we disagree on some things, I'm sure we can agree on this. The song heralded by a heavenly host that night on a quiet hill in a quiet field to the lowly of social class is a message that we still need today. Peace. Glory to God, peace for us. We often think that peace is the absence of conflict. But if that becomes our working definition of peace, we will never know peace. There will always be someone, something, some issue, that will push our buttons and cause us angst, right? Welcome to life. When we realize this, we will take the burden or the expectation off of those who never even knew that our peace was their purpose or was their job responsibility because it isn't let me tell you what i mean we sometimes place unrealistic expectations on another person to bring us peace when that isn't their responsibility at all you see when we look for others to give us peace we'll soon realize, as Ann Voskamp says, peace can't be accomplished by people. It is only the prince of peace who can step onto the scene of our despair and offer us true peace. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom, and its Greek equivalent is erene, and it means a sense of totality or completeness. It's the opposite of being broken into pieces, which is what the Greek word for anxious means. This word merimna, or anxious, means pieces. Think about that. I think it helps us to understand anxiety very well when we're anxious we are in pieces. Now, if you've ever seen Toy Story, the movie, there's a scene where Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head get hit, and most of their pieces come off. And they have to use one hand to reach out and put themselves back together, only to discover that they've mixed up the pieces and put things where they don't belong. I think that illustrates our anxious heart very well. 
And when we finally sit down to pick up the pieces, we're still a mess. There are days when you shake your head and wonder what just happened. You go to sleep anxious, you wake up anxious, you see the need for peace all around you, in your home, at your work, in your friends' lives, in, in our community, in our country. And you think, when will I have peace? But in a world that tends to break us into pieces, God offers peace wholeness, harmony, completeness. And so to say that peace is just the absence of conflict misses so much of what it really is. And what it really is, as one author helps, us, helps to define, is everything as it should be. That's what peace is. Everything as it should be. Everything in its place. When Jesus stepped into time and space, he came because everything was not as it should be. Things got messed up. Humanity messed up. It wasn't as God intended it to be. He intended to see people flourishing, not dying. He intended to see relationships growing, not broken. He intended to see conflicts resolved, not spreading. Hearts mended, not shattered. And so Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of making everything as it should be, he comes to where we are and he offers what no one else can offer. Peace. Unexplainable, undeniable peace. And since God is the author of completeness, we can trust him to ensure that things won't all fall to pieces. Even though it may feel that, that way some days. <laughs> and this was the gospel preached in the field that night. This was the good news that the angels announced. Glory to God peace for us. Let me ask you this. What does your search for peace look like? What does your search for peace look like? Is it at the ear of another person telling them why everything is wrong and what you think will make it right? Is that where you're looking for peace? Or are you looking for peace by hiding from the world? Does your search for peace bring you everywhere other than to the feet of Jesus? That's not to condemn those things. It's just to make us aware 
May I suggest to you this, that our search for peace begin where it originated. May our search for peace start with the one who intended peace, for he is best able to offer what he has in abundance. And then, as you encounter the Prince of Peace, may we be carriers of peace to those around us. I'll quote Ann Voskamp again. She suggests that we do this best by waiting. She says, we wage peace exactly by waiting on the Prince of Peace. And by doing what waiters always do. Waiters serve. Serve light. Serve love. Serve hope. Serve peace. It's not just peace candles that we light this Advent. She goes on to say that we ourselves ignite to become torches of peace, serving the dark with the reconciling light of Christ. And she asks this question. What if a world of conflict made lists at Christmas, not just of people to buy for, right? We all have those lists. But of just one person to serve real peace to. The Advent waiters who truly serve and the tr are the true hasteners of the kingdom and peace of God. And the whole wide world and our small worlds sing it. Us being brave enough to go first and serve peace on earth. As we linger between two advents, as we wait, may we do what waiters do. May we serve Serve love, serve joy, serve peace, and serve hope this season. Glory to God, peace for us. Through their chorus, the angels inadvertently offer a formula for us that may be useful as we continue through this Advent season. Rather than let the world jade us, Instead of allowing trouble to make us anxious, instead of perpetuating conflict, this season sit with Jesus. And as you praise the Father for his provision, as you give glory to God, may you encounter the Prince of Peace, who is fully able to take our pieces and make us whole. And then, as we wait, let us serve. I'm going to ask Brian to come back. I'm wondering for just a moment 
if you would consider that one person. Who would be that one person in your life, in your circle of influence, that you can serve in the coming couple of weeks before Christmas and even after into the new year? Who would be that person? Maybe you you don't even have to think about it. Already you know who it is. That you would serve love, hope, peace, joy to. I'm wondering if you would stand with me. And would you just close your eyes in this moment? There might be some of you here who are in turmoil yourself. You feel anything but peaceful and you need to encounter the Prince of Peace. And I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, would you still the the storm that is raging in stormy, anxious hearts this morning. As the Prince of Peace, it is who you are. And in our anxiousness, we are in pieces, but you as the Prince of Peace have come to put us back together and to make us whole and complete again. And I pray today that we wouldn't seek peace from the things of this world, and it's so easy for us to do that. But instead, we will be intentional to seek you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And as we worship you, and as we exalt Jesus, and as we give thanks and praise to the Father, as we give glory to God, may you give peace to us. But Father, it's not just about us today. For some here, there's been conflicts in relationships, perhaps. And so in this moment right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you whisper those names of those people that you would like us to serve this season? so with these faces in our minds, we ask Holy Spirit for the strength and the power to serve them well. Because for some of these relationships, it's going to take a supernatural strength to serve. But I am asking in the name of Jesus today that as torches for peace, it would start in our hearts and in our lives, extending peace and serving love, hope, peace, and joy to the person that you've laid upon our hearts right now, regardless of how difficult it might be. Find us obedient to your calling this morning, I ask in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray, and I give you thanks 
and we give you collectively glory and honor in this place today in Jesus' name. Amen.